Jesse's a good guy. We like him. He's been an excellent player. Uh, he uh, fits with us. We were two years and trying to uh, extend him, and we weren't able to uh, get there. I expect Jesse to be here and play for us this year. Uh, that'll uh, be something that uh, we look forward to. Mike Brown, owner of the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, the Bengals have a history, Chris, of applying the franchise tag to a guy, employing him under the franchise tag for a year, and then saying, see you later. That's it. And that's what's going to happen to Jesse Bates because I already drafted his replacement. They got his replacement ready to go. And Dax Hill is going to make $11.9 million over four years combined. Jesse Bates is making twelve point nine this year. And it's a good deal for the Bengals because it's well under the top of the market for the safety position. That's why they didn't work out a long-term deal. And also, the Bengals don't guarantee money beyond year one. They were willing to throw in $4 million more than what he was already due to make this year, guaranteed. And that's not good enough under the franchise tag. So Bates will play there one more year if he shows up. And then he'll become an unrestricted free agent next year, and Hill takes over. That's exactly the way to read what Mike Brown said. I, I think so. You know, I mean, Mike, if we go back to draft time, you know, and, and had some more discussions, and we talk about Dax Hill from Michigan, who they drafted, you know, the, the guy that he reminded me of, and the guy I brought up a lot in, in podcasts was Jesse Bates. That was the guy that I had the comparison to. So when he got drafted there, I kind of had the same thoughts that you're referring to right now. Do I went, man, I don't know if that's a good thing for Jesse Bays. It's like the same type of player, the same type of skill set, which makes me think maybe they're replacing him. You know, and, and, you know, again, now with this type of year, you know, I would think Jesse Bates does come back and collects his money. But, yeah, I, I think with the way things look, the way Bengals do business, with some of the contracts that they have on the horizon that are awaiting them, that, yeah, this might be, you know, one of those guys that falls by the wayside a little bit just because it's the price of doing business and they just can't keep everybody. When you've already drafted his replacement, and this is the way it goes. And when you're going to have a great team with star players, you better be willing and able to let certain mid-level players walk away and be confident you can replace them with good drafting because the rookie wage scale gives you that ability to swap out a guy who's going to make 12-9 this year for a guy who's going to make 11-9 over four years. That's what you have to be willing to do. And that's why you've got to make good decisions in the draft, but you also have to be very resolute and firm in your willingness to say to Jesse Bates, we're going to let you go. The problem is they're keeping him around for that extra year. They're keeping Bates around for that fifth year at 12-9 when he would have made a hell of a lot more and gotten security beyond this season on the open market. Now he's got to make it through another season healthy and effective enough to become a highly paid player next year. And people have asked me, can they still trade him? They still could trade him, but whoever acquires him can't, Give him a multi-year deal. Right. They could offer him more than $12.9 million for this year. Or they could say, we're not going to apply the tag to you next year, whatever the case may be. But you can't sign him to a multi-year deal until after the season ends. So he's stuck, and he'll probably show up. Yeah, I, I saw that he doesn't plan to play under the franchise tag. Well, there are other things I don't plan to do that I'm ultimately going to do. At the end of the day, I think he's taking his 12-9. He'll put in one more year with the Bengals, and then he'll move on. All right, you Maybe. mentioned yeah. they've got other players that they are concerned about when it comes to carving up the salary cap pie. And at the top of the list is Joe Burrow, but there are others. Here's Mike Brown talking about 
his urgency and his desire to lay the foundation now to keep Joe Burrow in Cincinnati for the long haul? Well, as you can guess, uh, it has occurred to us that uh, <laughs> this, this is coming. And uh, that's part of the reason why we're doing the things that you see us doing. We're trying to prepare to uh, uh, find a way to keep Joe here and keep Chase here and keep Higgins here and keep Boyd here, for example. It's uh, uh, going to be a real challenge for us. And uh, I sort of like how Mahomes said uh, he doesn't care about what those guys are getting. He's set for life with what he's got. And uh, why isn't that a good way to look at it, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. All the oligarchs How are going to think that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All, they're all going to think that. And, and look, bottom line is, it, it, there's a hard salary cap, but the, the way that some teams skirt it is they – don't spend up to it, and they carry it over, and then they carry it over. And you'll see these obscene numbers, like a team's got $100 million in cap space. Where'd that all come from? It came from the fact that they haven't been spending up to the cap, and it just rolls over, and it rolls over, and it rolls over. And that's money that stays in the pockets, in many instances, of ownership, and not in the pockets of the players. So, look, I I got no problem with, with, with the guilt trip that gets applied to a quarterback to not be a pig at the trough, when all the food is being dumped into the trough for all the other pigs. But when, when, it's not, when it's being withheld, that's when you have a problem. So are the Bengals going to spend up to the cap? Are they going to spend over the cap? Because you'll have some teams spend actually over the cap knowing the cap's going to keep going up. So we'll do what we have to do. But, Chris, there's no way they're keeping all three of those receivers. They're not no. keeping Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Boyd. It's not right. going to happen because one of those guys become a free agent and somebody else is going to offer them more than the Bengals will pay, and they're going to go take it. You're not going to keep everyone. So uh, they, they should just hope that they can keep Burrow and Chase, and then you trust that you'll find other guys who can come in via the draft to replace Higgins and Boyd. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that that's the you know number one and number two who you want to keep for sure. That's where it all starts. Uh, Joe Burrow, for sure. Jamar Chase, no doubt about that. Hey, they might be able to keep T. Higgins, too. But to your point, I don't think they can keep all three. That's where someone's going to fall by the wayside. Or maybe it's T. Higgins that ends up going and Boyd end up staying. Because I think Boyd is on his second contract already, right, Pete, if I, if I remember correctly there. Um, but it is, it's hard. It's hard. But it's one of those things, too, Mike. I think, you know, you would agree with this. It, it, the time is now. Spend the money on the salary cap. You should be getting your return back as far as money, people coming to the stadium. I mean, you have a lightning rod of a player that everybody loves, wants to see, and the Bengals fans and fan base and everything there, uh, they don't want to ever see Joe Burrow go. They haven't had this type of quarterback since, you know, really, right? Boomer Esiason. He's the last guy that they've had like this. And Joe Burrow is showing the ability to even be better than a boomer size son. And I don't say that lightly. He was an NFL MVP and went to a Super Bowl. But he's shown to be special. So, you know, the Brown family needs to go all in here, spend all money, because it's not every day that you get this guy and you're in the opportunity to where you go, well, we can compete for a Super Bowl really for the next five, eight years here with this kind of guy at quarterback. I hope they don't mess it up. And as we mentioned yesterday, the Bengals, in a dramatic turn, an unexpected twist, 
selling the naming rights, or at least trying to at Paul Brown Stadium. Why? they got to get with the times. If they're going to keep Joe Burrow, they've got to be ready to change the way they do business, period. And, Chris, I'm even more convinced after hearing what Mike Brown had to say yesterday, my prediction from yesterday, that Joe Burrow will be the guy who gets a percentage of the salary cap, that that's the way to do a long-term deal to keep him in Cincinnati and to ensure that his contract doesn't continuously get leapfrogged. It's going to be a variable number. It's going to be somewhere between 15 and 18% of the salary cap. And Burrow, as I said, and I'm convinced he can do this, he can sit down and speak into a microphone at a press conference explaining why they did this and why it's fair for everyone and why this is the right way for him and for the team to have long-term security because they know that of that 100 cents on the dollar they have every year under the cap, 15.876 or 16.235, whatever the final number is, is going to the quarterback. And it's certainty for everyone. Even though the number isn't certain, the percentage is. And that's the best way to be fair to everyone. And it leaves all that money left, all those 83, 80, 45 cents per dollar left for everyone else on the team. I, I, I'm more convinced that's going to happen. I think it is a matter of time. Joe Burrow is one of those guys that at least like I would circle to go. It might be the guy that it does happen. I do think there's some logic to it. I do think it can make life easy on a football team to a degree too, just to know. And then to know like, oh, wait, our quarterback's not going to be asking for a new contract three years from now where we don't really know how to plan that yet. Well, you do if it's the percentage of the salary cap, you do. So I do see some logic there. But I also think it's one of those conversations like we've had with the Cleveland Browns this year, too, where there's going to be the oligarchs aren't going to love that either. And that, that's who's going to be that first owner that goes out there and does it. What do you think? What? Mike Brown's the one guy that would give him all the middle finger because he always votes against everything. <laughs> he, he does. I that's mean, he really. Sure. So he's not going to care about others being pissed at him. He needs to keep Joe Burrow, and he doesn't want to do one of these big money contracts that – you know, that, that's going to just turn everything upside down in the short term. He'd rather have something that's longer term. He wants that Mahomes deal. You want to get that Mahomes deal that lasts over a decade. The way to do it is lock in a percentage of the cap. And, and again, I think Burrow uniquely positioned to, to make that case. Mahomes could, too, if he wanted to. No Mahomes doubt. could too. The whole the story since we're in let's piss off agents day. The whole story on the Mahomes contract is Lee Steinberg was hell bent on getting a half billion dollars, and he didn't care how it was structured or, or whether it was going to look good in seven or eight years. He just wanted to be able to say we got the first half billion co- dollar contract in in uh, sports history, at least American sports history, whatever the case may be. Yeah, and remember we said at the time, hey, I, I, I'd like to announce I I have a half billion dollar contract with NBC. Of course, it runs through the year twenty five hundred, but uh, you know. We can all get there if we're willing to commit long enough. You can get to any number you want if you're willing to commit the rest of your life to it and beyond. So uh, I, I think that's going to happen for the Bengals. And they're smart enough to know they can't let this kid go. They can't do it. Yeah, I, I mean, no doubt about that. I mean, hey, for me, he's already one of the five best quarterbacks in football. And he's just, you know, touching the tip of the iceberg here as far as what he can be. Herbert, Burrow. They're stars. We already know it. They're going into year three. We know who they are. They're only going to get better. And those are two guys, I think, to your point, Mike, that I look at to go, oh, maybe they they do get that type of deal. Or at least they're two that I look at to go, oh, maybe they're the first ones. Let's just let's keep our eye out. But uh, I, I think that's going to be a big step in big NFL news when that day does happen. 
Bears linebacker Roquan Smith back in April addressed his satisfaction or lack thereof with his contract. Let's have a listen to what he said back then. Any thoughts about your contract? And can you tell us, have you, do you, have you hired an agent? Do you have an agent? Or? Uh, I think, uh, like you said, it's personal uh, at the end of the day. So all of that business is just more so my business and uh, upstairs, and I'm confident that uh, we'll get everything uh, taken care of. How do you manage it as a player representing yourself? Like, how do you learn about, I guess, the business part, the agent part, stuff that the agent would typically do? How do you take that on as a player? Oh, that's so nice of you trying to, with that question he just asked. But like I said, it's all personal. Um, at the end of the day, and that's just uh, what I'm focused on. My, my main focus is out there on the field and uh, doing what I have to do to get better and bond better with my boys. Do you envision yourself here long term when you think about your career? Do you want to be here and expect to be here? Uh, very well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's my plan. According to NFLPA records, Smith does not have an agent. He was represented when he did his rookie deal, and he reportedly will not be participating in training camp because he is not happy with his contract. He's entering the fifth and final year of his rookie contract. The Bears picked up the fifth-year option. And, look, hopefully the NFLPA will explain to him what it means to hold out. Obviously, you have a daily fine that will pile up pretty quickly. But there's a clause in the CBA that says if you are in that fifth-year option on your first round rookie deal if you miss a preseason game the fine for that is the equivalent of one game check for the regular season pay I became aware of that four or five years ago when Khalil Mack just said to John Gruden and the Raiders I'm not showing up at all that was part of the risk he was taking in missing preseason games but if Smith's going to hold out that deep into training camp he needs to be aware that it's a pretty stiff fine if you start missing preseason games. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, look, I'm a firm believer every player needs a good agent, not a bad agent, a good agent, despite all of my <laughs> things I've said today. <laughs> you, you still need somebody who can get in there and negotiate that contract, who knows the, the market and who can properly guide you through this process and give you – you need an – if you're going to hold out, you need an ally. You need somebody in your corner. It's going to feel like you against the world if you're holding out and you're under contract. You need somebody who's going to help you through that that rough spot of of being the guy who goes against the trend and refuses to show up and work. Yeah. All right, listen, he's I'm never mad either. I wish he had an agent. We know that. We've discussed that thoroughly. All right? But he's grossly underpaid and he's a, one of the best middle linebackers in football. He's phenomenal, and he's a car crash player. And when guys like that, I have no problem with them not going to training camp. Yeah, there's there's sacrifice there, but damn, got training camp for a guy like that. It, it's it's brutal. It's physical. It's physical. Middle linebacker. I don't care what it is. If it's not a walkthrough, you're in the middle of the scrum and hitting every play, every down. So it's just it's a brutal position. I understand it. He's not a real big guy. You know, sometimes these medium-sized linebackers their their careers don't last as long because you know their body starts to fail them but i mean for me and my money he's in this conversation right here with these guys right on the list no doubt about it in fact i would say he's better than bobby wagner at this point of his career but he's every bit up there with the darius leonards and the friend water fred warners of the world and he's being paid nowhere like that nowhere like that you know, so Deion Jones being paid $14 million a year. Roquan Smith, in my money, is better than Deion Jones right now. So he has real, something to stand on, I think, legitimately, as far as wanting more money and wanting a long-term contract, especially when it comes to that position, Mike. 
9.735 million is what he's due to make this year under his fifth year option. And he held out as a rookie yeah. back in 2018. And there was a, I remember it was a, the fight over the triggers that would cause guaranteed money to evaporate. Cause that's one of the things, as we discussed earlier, guaranteed money can be affected by Kyler Murray's failure to put in four hours of study per week. But it was, and it, the, the bears had a very broad clause and it would have been, I think any type of fine whatsoever would have allowed them to rip up the remaining guarantees. Now, look, he ended up being a good enough player that they wouldn't have wanted to get out from under his contract. But that's what that fight's all about. You want to find ways where you can get out from under a guy's contract if he ends up not being very good. Smith has end up, ended up being very good, and now he embarks on trying to get his second contract without the assistance of an agent. We'll see how long he holds out and if he can get something done or if he ultimately hires an agent. When we return, Kyle Shanahan expects to see Jimmy G today. But will Jimmy G be practicing with the 49ers? We'll discuss the quarterback situation in San Francisco next here on PFT Live. His T-shirt said in the middle, big bust. Around it, the words were fat, lazy, out of shape, injury prone, bum, sucks, and overweight. Wouldn't that be great to get a shirt that is just like word salad of all the things the haters say about me? Happy face, snarky comment. Fake news. There's some stuff there. There's a few things there. There's some, there's some good. Super yachts I, I, definitely got to be on there. Yeah. Oligarch should have been on there, too. But no, but that, 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 look, good idea, bad execution. By the way, my arms are bigger than that. Eh, um, barely. And, and I have, uh, they are, though. There's, there's, I, I'm vascular. I'm much more vascular than whoever's in that picture. It's supposed to be about the things people say about me, not the things I say about everybody else. Th- well, this is a mixture of, yeah. This is a mixture of, well, jerk. The, that's, what, everybody take thinks that down. you're a jerk. Good idea. A lot of people good think idea. You're a fraud. Execution <laughs> C plus. All right. EJ, sorry, EJ. EJ, I'll praise you when it's deserved. And when you need it a little better, maybe what we need to do, EJ, is we need to put a clause in your contract that you're going to spend at least four hours per week trying to do a better job with those projects. Easy, maybe Florio. That's the way Easy, to call. I'm Florio. Kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. Jeez. I'm kidding. Jeez. You're a little it's, edgy trying, this morning. little I'm edgy. trying to. Yes, I am. I'm trying to take that point and tie it back to the theme of the day, which is the four hours of independent study. I wasn't being serious about that i know trying to be funny but as we all know comedy is hard all right uh kyle shanahan who who uh has uh, had some words for me and or about me in the past did a podcast with tim kawakami of the athletic and some interesting things said by shanahan as the 49ers prepare to go to training camp here's shanahan talking about the reality that it's trey lance's time in San Francisco. Had an awesome run with Jimmy, and it was great. But when you bring in a salary cap and things like that, there's just so many tough decisions you have to make. And uh, we made that a year ago, and we got to here, and I was so happy how Jimmy played last year and that he took us almost to the Super Bowl, got healthy, guys around him, played real well around him. But this is something that we did last year, knowing where we wanted to go with this franchise and how you balance out a salary cap, how you balance out a roster. And Jimmy gave Trey a year that I thought he needed just to get used to this league, to get his feet wet a little bit. And I think our team's ready for Trey. I'm going through OTAs and I'm just pumped to get to work and provide him some practices because I know the kid has the ability. He's made of the right stuff. He just 
needs the reps and he's got to start banking those. And it's not just out there, but it's the games too. So can't wait to get started with them. You know, there's a habit of certain interviews getting put in the bank and being released right before the start of camp. And I heard something Shanahan said there that made me think this was an interview that was maybe taped several weeks ago because they said something about going through OTAs. I, maybe. I may have to listen to it again, but I'm always reading and looking for things that would suggest it's not a brand new interview that wasn't just done the other day. My point, though, is this. We have come a, a long way, regardless of when that interview happened. We've come a long way from Jed York suggesting with a straight face that they were going to keep both guys right. and pay Jimmy. You know, the, the whole the whole Joe Montana to Steve Young thing yeah. and Steve Young sat for four years. That was That's bull gone. crap on its face. Right. And, and, and you know what? It may just be that Kyle has decided. And if this is the case, bravo. We're done with all this bullshit about playing this game with Jimmy G. There, there is no benefit to Trey Lance to continue to play this stupid-ass game that we're not going to win. We're not going to get a second-round pick for Garoppolo. He's not going to get $25 million this year from some other team. We're just probably going to have to cut him. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. He's done. He's gone. Trey Lance, it's your team. That had to be done. The game they were playing with Jimmy G was hurting the development of Trey Lance, and to his credit, Kyle Shanahan has figured it out. I hope so. I do, and it does seem that way. It does. You know, again, you know, is Trey Lance going to be as good as Jimmy Garoppolo right off the bat? No, probably not. You know, as we we talked about back in the spring, he might not be as surgical and as consistent with making decisions and all that. But still, do I think the 49ers offense can be more dangerous with Trey Lance, a quarterback, even though he might not be as good in those some areas? Yes, I do. Because of his skill set and Shanahan's genius, I think he's going to be able to couple that together with, wait, you're going to have to defend more of the field now with Trey Lance because he has a way bigger arm and he will throw the ball down the field and outside the numbers where Jimmy Garoppolo didn't want to throw the ball at all. So I think that's going to make them dangerous. And then, of course, his ability to run the, the quarterback design runs and then all the runs he can do off of the other runs you know again that's where I think it might not be as clean quarterback way but it can make them a more dangerous offense and I hope they're going that way because as we discussed I there is zero benefit for a Trey Lance who we know is not perfect yet he's still learning like Kyle Shanahan said needs reps and needs to continue to do that there just makes no sense for Jimmy Garoppolo to be there and and then start to have the murmuring of, man, Jimmy looks good. Man, hey, this is another practice today. I mean, Jimmy Jimmy didn't miss a pass today. Man, Trey missed, it. Trey missed that check. Trey missed, man, three or four wide open guys. And, I mean, that's, I mean, you're just asking for a disaster, a disaster. So that's why it's got to come to an end at some point. And as you and I both know, this team's real. They're a Super Bowl team. That's why I would not want to mess with this too long. They made the bed in March of 2021 when they made the trade. Regardless of how they got to Trey Lance and regardless of who may believe that they were actually looking at someone else with that third <laughs> overall pick, at some point, you've just got to go with the guy you have. You got to rip the Band-Aid off and you got to move forward. That's why I'm giving Kyle Shanahan credit here. Somebody had to do it. There were too many cooks. There's too many brains in the brain trust in San Francisco, I think. And they get paralyzed at times. And everybody has a bright idea. And they try to make these big, high-level concepts work. At a certain point, you got to simplify it. And it's not good for Trey Lance to have Jimmy Garoppolo hanging around. And so what if we don't get a, a, a significant draft pick for Jimmy G? He's gone. He's done. We're moving on to Trey Lance. So 
I, I'm giving him. I'm giving Kyle Shanahan. I'm trying to give him not a backhanded compliment, a forehanded compliment. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to make it clear that somebody needed to show real leadership in that organization because they were spinning their their wheels in the mud trying to outsmart everybody when they weren't going to outsmart anyone except themselves on this whole Jimmy G thing. Speaking of Jimmy G, here's Shanahan addressing the question of whether or not Garoppolo will be at training camp. I know we have our physicals tomorrow, so I'm not exactly sure how it'll play out. I haven't seen Jimmy since the season ended. And, you know, I know he's um, gotten cleared by his doctor. He's got to go through some things and, um, you know, be in a, a throwing program to where he can ease back into it like all guys do after shoulder injury. But tomorrow is probably going to be the first time that I have gotten to see him. So I can't wait to catch up on stuff. He'll most likely do his physical and everything like that. And and then we'll play it from there. we got a great relationship with Jimmy. I don't think this is bad in any way. I think Jimmy understands what happened here over the last couple of years. We understand, and this is the business part of the league. And whether it's tomorrow, whether it's a couple of weeks from now, whether it's right before week one, I think our team will be in a good spot, and I think Jimmy will be in a good spot most likely somewhere else. Is it possible that he's participating in practices with the 49ers this camp? Uh, I think anything's possible, but um, that, that would surprise me right now. I did get an answer to my question. Yeah, that answer was, that. It was a fresh interview. It was a fresh interview. Yeah. Hey, he, 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 he that was a gave big away comment. there. Yeah. He gave away their ultimate strategy. Big He's not going to be there week yeah. one. Big He's comment. not going to be there week one. To your point, yeah. give him more credit. Go ahead. He said it. There you yeah. go. He's gone. He won't be there week one. Yeah. They're not going to play this game of paying him $25 million. They need that money for Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa. Yeah. And see, I think at some point, I hope this happened. I hope they had a meeting and Kyle Shanahan stood up and he said, you all are a bunch of dumbasses trying to play this game. Everybody here, this is stupid. You're making me look bad. The team's going to be worse for it. We've just got to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't care if we don't get anything more than a conditional seventh-round pick or nothing at all. By week one, he's gone. Traded or cut, he's gone. The question is, how much will he now agitate for a release now? Right. Because he's got no his, – his, the only way he rolls a seven here, if a seven is good, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. The only way he rolls a seven is if while waiting through August – there is a Teddy Bridgewater injury, and there's a team that's so desperate for a starting quarterback, they give the 49ers a second-round pick or more, and Garoppolo gets his $25 million. Otherwise, the longer this takes, the less he's going to get. The sooner they cut him, the sooner he lands somewhere else, has a chance to compete, and maybe a chance to play in 2022. The, the message, if this is a tennis match, and it is, yeah. The, the message now, the, the ball back over the net to Jimmy G is they're going to squat on you until right before week one, and they're going to cut you unless a trade falls into their laps. So if you want it to be different than that, you better make a move. You better smack that ball back at them and try to get out of there sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I, there, there's a few things there. You know, I, I think, one, I think you are right. Uh, the, you know, Shanahan at some point just said, okay, I mean, it's not going to work out. You know, Jimmy made things hard when he opted to get the surgery. You know, and, and by all accounts, you, you know, you talk to people around the league, it did sound like there was, you know, some some trades on the horizon or some options there. And then he he got the surgery and took the power back. You know, I do wonder, Mike, like, you know, does maybe he doesn't want to get to a team quite yet. Maybe he'd like to just sit back in San Fran and get healthy and he can throw on the side and do all that and not have the pressure of, 
you know, the new team going, you know, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to play? Is your arm good? Your arm good? So maybe And this is a lost season. This is just a lost season. It, it could be. It could be. Or or it just or or to your point too, I, I don't think it's like maybe that and even coupled with maybe the 49ers just hang on for a few more weeks just because of what you said. Maybe they go, let's get to like preseason game number two right. and see if somebody does get hurt or something like that. And then we'll make a you know the decision then. But I could see that being part of the process right now. What I don't see happening is him being on the practice field and taking useful reps on the practice field. And Shanahan was a little wishy-washy with that question. Oh, I don't know. You know we'll see when they get there. Which to me was code word for hell no. We're not going to let him on there because we don't, I don't want him to go on there. And then George Kittle and Debo Samuel go, man, Jimmy looks good. And the whole team starts to go, damn, he's sharp and he knows everything. And Trey Lance is you know, 50% completion percentage and misses a few checks. They can't take that risk. They can't. So that's where I don't think there's any way he ends up on the field with real reps. This is a twist on the Steve McNair conversation that we have from time to time. 2006, the Titans have Vince Young. They want to move on to him. They want to get rid of Steve McNair. He's got a big salary cap number that year. They tried to keep him out of the facility. There was a grievance filed by the union. And the bottom line is you can't keep the guy out. You have to let him come in. You have to let him come work out. You have to let him be part of the team. And that's a pressure point here, too. If Jimmy wants to get on the field and practice, the 49ers, can't, what, what can they do? They can't keep him off the practice field because they're afraid he's going to play so well. That other players might want to keep him, so there's a possibility that they're not going to see eye to eye there either. He may want he he may just want to push the issue once he's ready to walk out the door if he feels like he's being squatted on by the 49ers. But these are all things to be determined. But bottom line is, when Week One rolls around, Garoppolo is not going to be a member of the 49ers. That's the big takeaway, and that's news. That's significant. That is a major concession by the 49ers. They're not going to play this game into the 2022 season with both Lance and Garoppolo on the team. All right, here's Shanahan talking about one of the guys who would benefit from that $25 million in cap space landing on the 49ers books. Debo Samuel wants his contract. Is he going to get it? Here's an update from Kyle Shanahan. What I do know is I'm not worried about it not getting done. I feel very confident that Debo's going to be on our team this year and he's going to be here for many years after. I do believe he'll get a deal. I know that they're working on it right now. Our upstairs with John and Prague, I know they've been through negotiations with Tori. So that's something that I know they've been doing, I want to say, the last couple of weeks. But that's also something that that's my time to really stay out of it. I think they'll get something done sooner than later, but there is no timeline and I'm not really concerned about it right now. I think it's all going to work out. Yeah, look, and that that's good. That's optimistic. And one of the things that's embedded in Kyle Shanahan's remark, and this echoes back to the things he said at the time of the draft when this was all kind of on full boil, it's hard when you don't have access to the guy. It's hard when you can't go talk to the guy. And I think it's going to be the tag team of the people in the front office working the agent and Shanahan working the guy. Agreed. We got to get this. We got to get this worked out. Let's right. just get this worked out. You know, I mean, you know, let's you and me have this conversation and we'll go tell our people. I'll tell mine. You tell yours what needs to be done. But let's just let's just get this done. I I could see it coming to that point where Shanahan knows we'll have access to him every day and eventually they'll work this out. And also when they get Garoppolo off the books, that's when they'll get this worked out. I just wonder, though, will they expect him to practice before he has this done a little 
you know, a mutually agreed to hold in. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me if no. Debo Samuel isn't practicing until he gets his deal. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked there either. Yeah, hold in. Hey, be here. You know, go through the war- walkthroughs. You're here taking mental reps, paying attention to practice. But, yeah, we won't make you go out there and do anything crazy right now. We understand. I think it's only a matter of time. You know, I think we've been saying that, you know, or, or at least I've been saying that for a while. I just, this is just where I have ultimate confidence in, in Kyle Shanahan and where I do think he's special that way. You know, his ability to relate to the players and, and talk. And even though there was an issue or whatever the issue was, you know, he, he let things calm down. And now he's gotten back in the ear of Debo and, and you know, their, their team there to where it seems like things are going in the right direction. And I think to what you said, too, that they got a good thing there where, yeah, now Shanahan can just play coach. And it allows them to play good cop, bad cop. Front office, hey, you guys work out the details, and you can be stingy with Debo and his agent about the money or whatever. But I'm going to be down here in the meeting rooms telling Debo, oh, I can't wait to get this deal done. And, man, this is going to be awesome. You're going to be here all this lo- all this time. And look at the new plays I put in this year for you. What do you think about that and all that? So that's where I think it will all come together the right way. And, yeah, I-, I would imagine sometime over the next month we get a Debo Samuel contract. Let's go ahead and take a break. We still have plenty more PFT Live to come. We'll be back with more right after this. Josh Allen, have a great year. Thanks Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Oh. For NBC Sports, Bills Camp, this is Peter King. All the best to you. You still got it? Yeah, we got it. Thank you. I'll see you. (laughs) We did it. Oh, it's the best, baby. That's Peter King. Still got it. He thinks he's like, yeah, we got the shot. Not exactly, Peter. He wanted a handshake. But Peter King is on his annual tour across the country to leave QBs hanging on handshakes. Josh Allen, Mahomes, ah, who cares about your handshakes? You can catch all his training camp tour interviews at our NFL YouTube page, youtube.com slash NFL on NBC. I love it. That that clip yesterday, you know, I got to tweet it out yesterday, which was awesome and just got a lot of funny responses. And it's just how can you not laugh at that? I mean, it's just an all timer. It really is. Oh, it was amazing. And Peter, <laughs> even up to the very end, was oblivious as to what I'm totally oblivious. Yeah, we got the shot. Better. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it really was amazing. Mike McCarthy may or may not be shaking hands for the last time with Jerry Jones at the end of this season or some point in between. McCarthy can't get away from the ongoing Sean Payton chatter for good reason. The Cowboys almost hired Sean Payton in early 2019, as explained in a certain book that was published on March 15. Playmaker still available wherever you buy your books. The Cowboys were getting it done. It was going to happen. But for Anthony Davis wanting out of New Orleans, he played for the Pelicans at the time, and Mickey Loomis, the common link between the two teams, didn't want to be responsible for both guys leaving. Peyton would have been the Dallas coach as of 2019. So that is going to continue to hover over third-year Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy. He was asked about job security Yesterday, McCarthy said, it's irritating the first question you ask me has nothing to do with how I do my job. I show up every day for work to win a championship. How do we win today? That's what I'm asking. My viewpoint is it's not a story. It's a media-driven narrative, or at least a narrative driven outside my realm. That's the, it is driven outside his realm. It's driven within the realm of Jerry Jones and Sean Payton. Look, the, the planets are lining up in a way that if Jerry Jones is ever going to hire Sean Payton... It's going to be this year, after this year, because someone else is going to after this year. 
Someone is going to fire their coach with the idea of hiring Sean Payton and knowing in advance they're going to get him after this season. So if the Cowboys are ever going to do it, they're going to do it now. And Mike McCarthy, all due respect, you knew or should have known when you took the job that Jerry Jones has a longstanding infatuation with hiring Sean Payton. And here we are. So he can be upset. He can be unhappy with the question. But it goes with the territory of being the Cowboys coach when Jerry Jones almost hired Sean Payton three years ago. Yeah, it, it is a little bit. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't think you're wrong there. You know, I think Mike McCarthy probably didn't see Sean Payton leaving the New Orleans Saints anytime soon either to have to deal with it maybe quite the way he has. But, you know, the reality is for any coach that is on the hot seat or in the conversation of, wait, we might replace him after the season's over, Sean Payton's name is going to be at the top of the list for every one of those freaking teams. Sean Payton is uh, he's a Hall of Fame coach, in my opinion. I mean, he's, he's one of the best there is. He's one of the great offensive minds, and he understands how to run the whole organization. You know, so that's where it's, it's special. I mean, the Saints have been really good for a long time. That's because of Sean Payton's, yeah, offensive prowess and his brains and everything there, but his ability to evaluate players and, and build the team the right way. So yeah, he's going to be like the shiny diamond that every owner is going to want that's thinking about. And then there's Mike McCarthy, who, yes, there's questions, of course. Yes, we know that. Game management, team hasn't played as good as maybe you know Jerry Jones thinks it should have in certain moments. And then I think when you add into he's not even the play caller for the offense, that that's Kellen Moore, those things don't help him out either. So I got great respect for Mike McCarthy. He's done a lot of things that are really good. But, man, Sean, he, Sean Payton's special. I don't know what, any other way to say it. Two points real quickly, and then we've got to take a break. One, when the last thing that happened to conclude the most recent season was that poorly executed, poorly coached quarterback right. draw that sure. allowed the clock to run off, you can't walk into the next season thinking you're off scot-free. And second, as to Peyton, here, here's, the, here's the thing to consider. Barry Jackson and Miami Herald had something within the last week or two. The three factors for Peyton are warm weather, good roster, and final say over personnel. And I've seen some suggest that you just take the Cowboys out of that equation because Jerry Jones is never going to give Sean Payton what he wants. He was going to hire him three years ago. Yeah, he is so for Sean Payton. Wh whatever, whatever it is that needs to be worked out between Jones and Payton, it's already been worked out three years ago. It's just a matter of going back to that point. And again, I understand the other people aren't going to report it because it's not their story. That's the way this game works. Like so many, it's fine, fine. Act like, act like the story's not real because you didn't report it. But it helps supply the background for what's going on coming up this year. It's going to be like snapping your fingers to get Peyton and Jones back on the same page. And Jones is trying to downplay it because he wants to give Mike McCarthy a full and fair opportunity to prove that they shouldn't go get Sean Payton. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Jerry Jones, I, I do believe he wants this to work for sure. He's been loyal, you know, for the most part to his head coaches. You know, Wade Phillips probably feels a little differently about that conversation. But, you know, I think as a whole, you look at Jerry and you could say that. I don't think he's looking, you know, to just, you know, d abandon a, a big-time hire in Mike McCarthy. But, yes, as we've talked about, he's getting up there in years. He's desperate. And uh, Sean Payton, 
You know, it's just he to me is on another level to where, hey, there's going to be things about the Cowboys job he's going to like. There is a lot of talent on the football team. And but I, at the end of the day, if Jerry Jones and Sean Payton get together and they're talking about but Jerry, I mean, Jerry Jones is not going to win those arguments with Sean Payton. That's not Sean Payton's going to go there and he's going to be the guy that has last say on the roster. He's not going to go there and, and go, I'm going to let the Jones family pick. I'll just coach the team. There's no way and that's going to listen to him. Right. J- J- Payton's probably the only guy Jones will listen to. Probably exactly right. There's probably a very short list of guys that he actually would listen to. You're right. And Payton is one of those guys. I'm glad you mentioned Wade Phillips because his handling of Wade Phillips underscored a very important point. He did the same thing with Terrell Owens. Jerry Jones will completely and totally and unconditionally and unequivocally support you until the moment he decides he doesn't anymore. And that moment can come anywhere, anytime, anyplace. His reasoning for now is let's go all in with Mike McCarthy. He fully and completely and totally supports him, and he will do so until the day that he no longer does. And then he hires Sean Payton because someone else will if Jerry doesn't. Let's take a break. Um, Another coach that may have to worry about Sean Payton or anyone else possibly supplanting him during or after the 2022 season, Matt Rule. We'll hear about his thoughts on his job security when PFT Live continues right after this. To me, my job is not to pick the starting quarterback. The players will do that with the way that they play. My job is to make sure that we have really good players in the room, which we now, you know, which we do in that room, and make sure that they have opportunities. And so, uh, you know, it'll it'll be a fun ride. And when we know, we know. Not many teams have, you know, four quality players like that. And uh, it's going to be a, a, a lot of great competition. And to be quite honest with you, Nick, I think it'll be really good for our team, the competition. Matt Rule, coach of the Panthers, talking about the quarterback competition, headlined by Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And look, when they made the trade for Baker Mayfield, the widespread assumption was Mayfield is going to be the starter. They wouldn't have made the move for him if they were happy with Sam Darnold based upon what they've seen to date, including most recently the offseason program. But you could also make the argument, look, they just got Mayfield because they got him for cheap. It was buy low, a distressed asset as owner David Tepper would call it, and $5 million and a fifth-round pick with the possibility of some incentives. He's got to do a lot to unlock his full incentives, including win the Super Bowl. And uh, so you throw it into the mix and you see what happens. I, I just wonder, Chris, is it going to be a fair and square competition or is it going to be rigged in Mayfield's favor? And if Mayfield doesn't win the starting job, do the Panthers have a whole new host of issues in the locker room if Mayfield – ends up believing that he and his skills weren't the ones that were obvious to the coaching staff should make him the guy who starts week one against the Browns. Yeah. I mean, listen, he is, it's a big time asset. I think it was necessary to cover their asses. Okay. They need another option at quarterback, right? They can't just say, Oh, we're going to go into it again with Sam Darnold and just cross our fingers and hope it went well, or hope it goes well. I mean, that's hard to do after what we saw last year. And then, you know, to your point, Mike, yeah, and I know we talked about this in the spring, obviously didn't do anything that made the organization feel like, oh, wow, he's really improved or he's got the offense. He's our guy. Come on, let's stay with it. There's obviously still that question mark there. So they go and get Baker Mayfield. I expect Baker Mayfield to be the starting quarterback in Cleveland. One, I think just think he's better than Sam Darnold. And I think he's a better thrower, a better passer, whatever you want to say there. He definitely plays better within the pocket than Sam Darnold that way. 
You know, he's 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 played better in his NFL career. He's shown the ability to do some special things. And as we always talk about and what the things we like about Baker Mayfield, he's got a little bit of an edge and leadership factor that, you know, I, I do think is, you know, more conducive to playing quarterback maybe than Sam Darnold. So that's where I give him the edge. I do. Your question, Mike, though, about, like, if he doesn't win the job, you know, and, he's in, and he has to be the backup, Man, he's got to be careful. He's got a little bit of reputation. So, he's, I mean, if he wants to be that guy, he better watch out. And the other thing I'll say about him too, Mike, is just like, you know, he is behind the eight ball a little bit. And, hey, he's picking up the offense here late. He's not going to know all the intricacies of the offense quite the same way Sam Darnold is these first three weeks of training camp. So that's where I'm interested to see if he can make up some, you know, some room there and that, and that part of it. Hey, look, he's going to be a free agent next year. He needs to have a big season. He needs to repair some of his reputational damage. And, and, and this reminds me, I said this at some point in the past few weeks, it reminds me of Carson Wentz in that when Wentz went from Philly to Indy, he was able to leave saying, it's not my fault, it's their fault. And we found out after a year in Indy that it was his fault. How is Baker processing everything that went down in Cleveland? And is he walking out the door thinking, they're the idiots, they don't know what they had, and uh, he walks into Carolina and maybe still carries some of those same traits that could be problematic if and when he encounters adversity. That's a reality, Chris. Adversity is going to happen in some form or fashion. Either he's not going to be the week one starter or he's going to get injured or he's going to throw three interceptions. There's going to be something at some point that tests the question of whether or not he has matured and has learned from the mistakes that contributed to the disintegration of his time in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully he has learned from those. You know, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but there still was a lot of good. You know, we do know that he does seem a guy to be a guy that's pretty obsessed with football and loves it. You know, and and he does have talent, and he made them relevant. He brought them back to the playoffs. So, you know, again, I sit here just as is in late July, thinking yes, he will be the starter. I don't know. You feel the same way? You think it's going to be him too when all said and done? I think it's going to be Baker. Yeah. I think you don't do that trade for Baker Mayfield without accepting the fact that he's your guy week one, especially when it's against the Browns. Yeah. Now, but, but the reality, anytime we see a competition like this, the guy who wins it, he's the guy who wins the opportunity to be the first one bench. No doubt. So no doubt. if it doesn't work, they'll go with Sam Darnold at some point this year. We mentioned that Matt Rule does have questions about his job security. There was a report several weeks back that the Panthers are already maybe eyeballing Sean Payton for next year. Regardless of whether it's Payton or anyone else, I think Rule's salary saved him after 2021. That bloated $9 million plus per year. And I think he's clearly on the hot seat last year, no matter what he says. David Tepper, again, no one's going to come out and say the coach is on the hot seat. This is all the stuff. Copy, paste, and repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. Every year we see this. And what happens? Guys were on the hot seat all along. It just wasn't good business to come out and tell the world, Chris. No, no, you're right. It's not, it's not good business, but it, it's obvious. We know. We know where it's at. And, you know, again, they're a team that has a lot of things to like about the roster. You know, to your point with the Sean Payton, that I would see. I would think he's looking at it going, damn, there's a lot of guys there that I like that are young and talented. You know, the defense is real. It's special. It really is across the board. We know they got some weapons on offense. So now it's just got to start showing on the field. They gave us a little glimpse early in the year last year, but things fell apart. So can they keep you know, a little more consistency this year and be you know, relevant or at least in the playoff conversation? I think that could at least save their job as long as they're in that playoff conversation. 
And remember, as it relates to Peyton, the Saints do control his rights, and if they're going to trade him anywhere, it's probably not going to be in the division, but we'll see how that all plays out. It's going to be a story that we cover all year long. We'll take a break. When we return, 14 teams using alternate helmets in 2022. We will draft the best of them next here on PFT Live. There are all of the alternate throwback helmets to be worn by teams in 2020. I don't know how the Cowboys got on that graphic twice for both the alternate and the throwback. Isn't that weird? I noticed that last night. It can't be both. It can't be both. You're right. Right? You're right. Somebody made a mistake there. Somebody made a mistake. NFL. Somebody in the NFL stepped on a rake and or a banana peel with that one. All right. But regardless, we are drafting the best of the alternate helmets and or throwbacks for 2022. And I have a trivia question for Chris. The folks out there who love the trivia aspect of the program are very happy about this. Let's do it. Who did the Giants lose to in their final playoff game wearing the old Parcells-era Giants uniforms? Parcells was no longer the coach at the time that loss occurred. Yeah, I believe I was there. I believe this is... um, is, uh, They lost to the Vikings in a rainy playoff game right uh and shouldn't have lost the onside kick game right i was there i was sitting in the mezzanine level i might have been a freshman in college maybe i was still in high school what year was that mike 98 that was 97 97 97 season so i was there yep danny cannell quarterback jim fossil coach uh uh yeah the 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 infamous jake reed touchdown that i don't know if it was really a touchdown but yes you got the victory that day there was a, a a very controversial maybe analytics driven decision by Dennis green, like to punt late. So he did something very unconventional down nine with four minutes left. He punted and they still won the game. Yeah. That's still unreal. won the game and saved his job. He wouldn't have been there to draft Randy Moss. If they don't, if they don't uh, pull that victory from the jaws of defeat. Yeah, that right, was a good day, but we got you back two years later. You get the first pick in the best draft. I'm going draft. with the – I mean, I'm biased here. You can't ask me this one. I'm going with the Giants helmet. I mean, that's my favorite one. I mean, yes, it's what I grew up with. You know, I got so many great memories. To me, that is when I think of the New York football giants, that's the helmet I think of. I love that darker shade of blue, navy, whatever the exact color is. Uh, To me, it's special. And, yeah, that's the one I'm most excited to see. As excited as I am about some of the other alternate helmets, and I did order three of them yesterday. Are you kidding me? Mini helmets. So then you have to draft them right here. Well, but I already have one of them. Okay. I already have the one that I'm picking first, All and right, that's fine. the Pat Patriot helmet. Okay. I, I, I've already got that one. I've actually got the the original Patriot helmet, which is just the hat, the Paul Revere hat with I the like guy's that. number yeah. under it. But I've got the Pat Patriot as well. Already ordered, already purchased years ago. That's the best one. Okay. It is it is sharp, too. You're right. It, it's a It's a cool-looking helmet. It's just you know, the the problem with that one is it's just there's no no association with winning at all. I think that's what kind of hurts its like luster a little bit. Um, all right, the next one I'm going with the Bengals. I am. I'm going with the White Tigers, baby. Bam. I I don't know. There's just something about it. You know, I like their Nikeification of their uniform last year. Anyways, how they streamlined everything, simplified it a little bit. You know, the way their their jerseys and shoulders look, especially when they wear their all-whites with the white helmet now. Wow. 
I mean, that's that's freaking cool. Jamar Chase and Burrow are going to look like ballers out there. Uh, I, I really think that's my favorite new alternate helmet altogether. The Bengals white helmet was the first one that I purchased yesterday via NFLshop.com. Free advertising there. I don't know why I'm doing it, but it was easy and it was quick, and it will be here by August 16, although I wish it was here sooner than that. The next one I purchased yesterday right after the white Bengal, the Black Cardinal. I love I that helmet, like that and one. I really, I really hope, and I'm assuming this is the case, that the finish and the gloss on the mini helmet is the same as on the full helmet, where it's got that red sparkle to it. Yeah. That, that helmet is awesome. That one instantly should be the Cardinals' full-time helmet. Could you not buy a life-size helmet? Like a rear- yeah, but I, I don't I don't have room for full-size helmet. I don't want a full-size Cardinals oh, helmet. Okay. I, I have, if you ever came to my house, you would see that, in my barn, I've got, like, shelving all the way around, and it, it's perfect for the mini helmets, and I've got, like, 40 of them down there. Okay. All right. That's cool. Yep. I don't know when I'm going to be there, but, damn, your house looks big enough to, never, to have real-size helmets. We're, so, you know, we're, we're taking know. a break. We're all taking right. a break before we do round three. Cool. There's the awesome helmet, and every once in a while you catch a glimpse of it that just there has it that, that red in it is just amazing. We'll do the last round of the best alternate helmet draft when PFT Live continues right after this. Round three of the best alternate and throwback helmets for 2022. Chris Sims is on the clock. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, I, it, man, there's, there's, first off, I would like to state there's none of these new helmets that I, I, I don't like. I like them all. I really do. I don't like the Bears. I don't like the Bears. You don't like the Bears? It's too much. I don't of you like that, that orange. Are, that's the traffic, too much orange. Traffic stop yeah. orange. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it. I, I hear you. It's a lot. It's a cool look, though. It really is. I, I'm not going to be mad at it. It's probably my least favorite, though. I I won't disagree with you there. All right, the one I'm going to pick, though, I think I'm going to go with the Saints. I really like the Saints. You know, I first off just think it's going to look good too with their all black uniforms. You know, but you know, just the black, the way the the fleur de lis shines on the side there. You know, in the gold, and then you know, like you talked about with Arizona having that red speckle in it. You know, the, the Saints got this, you know, I don't even know, polka dot something thing going down the middle that adds a little design and a cool look to their to their. Yeah, it looks cool. I really like their their helmet. And it's kind of like what the, the Seahawks do. It's got and, I, and apparently it's tiny Fleur de Lis that. Oh, I can see it. All yeah. Over the top right. Of the helmet. Right. For me. All right. The third one I ordered yesterday. It's still on the board. The Texans red helmet. Yeah, it's a good. One. Despite all the dysfunction that that team has gone through, that red helmet is awesome. So uh, that will be arriving also by August 16. All three, Bengals, Cardinals, Texans, arriving by August 13. Mini helmets for display down at the barn. Now you're going to shame. Now maybe I will buy a full-size Yeah, I know. It just seems maybe like, I will. seems like you're kind of cheap. I don't know. Just what it seems like to me. I mean, that's just what it seemed like. I didn't like the Falcons red helmet, Chris. Pete's asking about that one because oh. what did they ever win with that? Yeah, that's I hear you. I know. Years of dysfunction. I know. It's still a good look. Speaking of dysfunction, See ya. we're done. <laughs> 